Welcome to Life in the Valley, the podcast of the people at Summit Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. We gather each week in the heart of St. Paul on historic Summit Avenue, where our mission is to create rhythm, opportunity, and location where people like you can have life-changing experiences with God. Our podcast is one of those locations. As followers of Christ, we are doing our best to be on mission, disciple others, deliver hope, and champion this city. At any point in your journey with us today, if you want to take a next step or you just want to stay in the loop with everything going on at Summit, just grab your phone and simply text the phrase, be known, all one word, be known to the number 651-360-2908. We will send you a short form that makes it super easy for you to complete. There's always new opportunities to mention and new ways that you can get involved. One of the rhythms that is important to following Jesus and important to us at Summit is studying scripture. As we study the Bible, we can have one, hope, two, find guidance, three, be corrected, and four, receive truth into our lives. Listen in and lean in with us wherever you are, open up God's word, and hear this week's message. We have been going through the book of Daniel, and if you have not I guess, kept pace with this. We are in Daniel chapter 10 today. If you want to catch up, you can always do that on our website. You can also do that uh, on our podcast. But we're on Daniel chapter 10 today. And I just want to simply say, before we get to Daniel 10, Daniel 10, 11, and 12 are really one unit. So it's hard to do Daniel 10 without doing Daniel 11 and 12. So we're going to do this in two units. We're going to approach this portion of Scripture with Daniel 10 being unit one. And then next week, we'll close out Daniel, uh, and that'll be unit two. And so we're just going to kind of work through it the best we can. Daniel 8, 26, we get to this spot in Daniel 10, verse 1. And before we get there, I just want to back up to Daniel 8, 26. The visions of the evenings and mornings have been told to us is true, but seal up the vision. It refers to many days from now. And I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for some day. And then I rose and went about the king's business, but I was, remember that message, gotta be about the king's business? Some of you laughed because it was true. But I was appalled by the vision and I did not understand it. Okay, Daniel 8, 26, he didn't understand the vision. Chapter 9, there's clarity brought to the vision. We get to the near end of, of 9 here, 9, 22, he made me understand, speaking with me, saying, Daniel, I've come to give you insight and understanding. So Daniel in chapter 8 doesn't necessarily understand the vision. Chapter 9, verse 22 he receives more insight about this vision. And then we get to chapter 10, verse 1. Let's start there for our text today. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, the world was revealed, the word, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. And the word was true. And it was a great conflict. Underline that in your Bibles, great conflict. And I understood the word and I had understanding of the vision. All right, so let's just recap real quick. We get to chapter 10, and finally, Daniel gets it. He understands the word. He understands the vision. 
What did he understand? We talked about this in chapter 8 and chapter 9. The 2,300 years that Scripture talks about, the 70 weeks of Daniel, or the 480 years. So all of these things that we had mapped out mathematically, Daniel now has a good footing for. And that's important to note as you look at chapter 10. Because he's been kind of in the dark and the angel Gabriel's kept revealing more and more and more. And now we get to 10 and we hear of a great conflict and we approach this text having the idea that Daniel understands it. Now, why do we think Daniel understands it? Because the Bible tells us Daniel understood it. So I want to be really clear here because sometimes people read Daniel and they don't understand it. And if Daniel got it, we can get it. So let's look at this first word, the great conflict. Daniel chapter 10 in verse 1. There's a great conflict in our church right now. I I don't know really how to bring this up to you as your pastor, but it's been an absolute conflict in this church. A couple nights ago, we met in a house, a whole bunch of guys right over here. And we ate pizza, and we argued. We fought about who we were going to draft in football fantasy. There's 14 guys in this church, in this league right now, and I'm telling you, there's great conflict. There are guys that can't stand to be in this room together right now because I'm dominating them. Did you guys really think I was going to like reveal some huge conflict in the church for a second there? Because actually, no, I'll, I'll be really square with you. This church is moving into such a beautiful season of unity, and you are actually taking care of each other. Keep doing that. Keep loving each other. Keep the conflict out of here. There is enough conflict and crap in our world. We don't need it in our church. Keep the peace. Make the peace. Sheesh. But there's a great conflict. You know, there's a great conflict in the NFL that all these, you know, teams are battling. Now, one of the things you need to know is even if you don't care about football, um, you know, that's fine. I get it. Um, I don't care about soccer. But the point is, is like if you if you had like this idea of just this sport called American football, when you get up like really high uh, in, in, in the score, like when you're just defeating the other team, you're desecrating them. You do what's called a prevent defense. What that is, is it's the, it's the defensive team like just wants to prevent the ball from going into the other end zone, and so they play really deep. They give up all the little short stuff, all the little runs, all the little things, but they don't give up this deep pass. That's called the prevent defense. There's also, um, you know, this idea of a great conflict. And I just got to tell you that if the prevent defense happens in the NFL, the prevent offense or offense happens in the kingdom of hell. Let me explain it to you. The prevent defense that we see like on a football field, that's how they do it. Do you want to know how the enemy who wants to destroy your life does it? He wants to prevent an offense and he wants to prevent offense. That's his plan. That's the strategy. What do I mean by that? The prevent offense or offense is the plan of Satan. There's duality to this. This is not the right slide. We will get to that one in a second. 
The prevent offense is the plan of Satan or offense. He wants to prevent being offended. Can, can I say something to you? When you choose the way of Christ in your life, any category of life, do you know who you offend? The enemy. You offend the enemy when you choose the way of Christ. He wants to prevent being offended. Choosing the way of the Christ offends him. He wants to prevent you being on the offense. Choosing this way of the Christ is being on the offense. If he can just get you to stay where you are and he can prevent you from being on the offense, he's got you beat. There's a great conflict in this. No, I'll just simply say as a church, we, we don't go looking for a fight. I, I would say we go looking to love. But there is a war for you. There's a, there's a conflict, a great conflict. In Daniel, there's a great conflict to get the land restored. Now that slide is up. To get the land restored, to have a decree to rebuild the temple. That's what we're reading about in the book of Daniel. Do you wanna know where your great conflict is for you? The great conflict for you is to get your heart restored, to make a decree to build on Christ. The enemy will try and prevent you from making a decision for Christ to steal your potential in him. Some of you have been just wafting in your obedience. I'll just be, just, I'm gonna shoot straight here. There's been a huge conflict for you and some of you are just comfortable staying right where you are. And he's, he wants to prevent you from moving forward on the offense and he wants to prevent you from offending him by choosing the way of the Christ. And some of you need to keep moving forward some of you need to move forward. The word is true. There is great conflict. It's robbing you. He, he, the enemy wants you to stay there. I'm gonna give you an example. We've got a couple words here. You have potential. Does anyone know what potential means? This possible thing. Having or showing the capacity to become or develop into something in the future. It's possible, able to be done. It's not all promised. Some of it's gonna require godly decisions. So take those words for a second and just back that up. Everybody think about the word potential. Do you have potential in Christ? Yeah. Is it possible in Christ? Yeah. Is it promised in Christ? Yes. But what will that require? Godly decisions. I'm gonna give you an example of the possibility, the potential, because there's a something that we don't always talk about, but there's something called virginity. And some of you are here as virgins. You've never been with a person of the opposite sex, and you will have a wedding day. And it is possible for you to walk down this aisle as a virgin. I'm not afraid to say this to you, I want my kids to walk down this aisle as virgins. I want my daughter and my sons to walk down this aisle as a virgin. I don't want my kids to marry a girl who's not a virgin. I'll tell you, what's not working is this open, like, sexuality where we can just tell, you know, anybody to marry, uh, like, my, like, just go ahead and marry a non-virgin, telling a generation of women that they, if they want to be pursued, they got to give it up. That's not working at all. 
So I, I don't know if this is out of left field or not, but there is a great conflict for our young people in our families to walk down this aisle pure. And I'm not saying that you can't be forgiven. I'm not talking down to you because you aren't a virgin. I'm just simply saying to you, I would love us to be a people that we actually set a standard for our kids, that we just say, you, you, you remain a virgin until you're married. It is, it is full of potential. We've got to, you can walk over that. Just, we're going to use that later for some other wedding. We're on a budget. It is, it is full of potential. It is very much possible. It is something we can promise, but it will require godly decisions. My hope is that we set a standard here. I'm not trying to divide or to just simply say to us as a church, if you have already, uh, if, if you have already had sex with somebody out of wedlock before you're married, that God can't you know, re- restore your uh, story because that's not true either. He can But I am saying to you, if we're going to default as a people, as followers of the way, the great conflict in the sexuality of our kids and the world that we live in, we've got to set a standard higher than just culture's standard. And it's not about us versus them. I'm not trying to juxtapose us as the people that you know, are right and they're wrong. That's their way. And everyone makes a way that seems right to themselves, Judges says. I choose for us to follow what the word of God says. And I'm just simply saying to you as your pastor, my hopes for our kids is that the great conflict for their virginity, they can walk down that aisle having won that conflict, making godly decisions, unleashing their potential because it's possible and all that is promised, they can walk into. I wish somebody would have told me that. I'll give you the, the, my, your pastor's perspective. You ready? Now, this isn't just about, you know, sex before marriage or sex out of marriage. This is just all kinds of decisions. Christ-like decisions promise your possible potential in him. Read it. Christ-like decisions promise your possible potential in him. Sinful decisions promise pleasure, but exchange possible potential for you. This is the great conflict that I think we sometimes carry out in our own life. And the prevent offense or offense, if you will, is the plan of Satan. Don't miss it because that's what he wants you to do. He wants you just to simply stay where you're at and not choose the way of the Christ. And so if you're here and you're a young person and you're not married yet and you're a virgin, can I just tell you something real quick, just straight up as a pastor, as a dad, stay that way till you're married. It's possible and you will never regret it. You will never regret walking down that aisle somewhere, wherever it is. And there is this beautiful thing that can be unlocked. Let's talk about the next couple verses. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies. Three weeks, 21 days. No meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for three weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, 
Remember, it used to be the Euphrates. Now it's the Tigris. Why is Daniel mourning? Well, I think he's mourning because he understood the vision. The 70 weeks wasn't 70 weeks. It was 490 years. And I think he was really wrestling with the weight that God's exile of his people was not going to end yet. Jeremiah had said it would be this, and he got to the end of his life going, I've been here for 70 years, and then he's doing the math that Gabriel's downloading to him, and he's like, we're going to be in captivity a long time, and that's exactly what happens until Christ comes. I think he's mourning the hardships to come. Daniel starts to fast for 21 days, for three weeks, he starts to fast. Here's the thing you need to know, after he fasts, then the angel Gabriel shows up. And I just want to make this point in Scripture, and I'm not going to do a big message on fasting. That deserves at least three or four messages on itself, but fasting unlocks the supernatural. When you, when you fast, first of all, you don't fast Netflix. That's consecration. That's quadash. It's a different word. You don't, you don't fast, you know, like your Xbox or Thursday Night Football. Okay, you don't fast those things. You set those things apart. You set those things aside. But fasting always involves food for, for spiritual purpose. It always involves food. There's three types of fast in Scripture, a complete fast, a water fast, and a Daniel fast. This is where the Daniel fast comes into place. If you want to know what a Daniel fast is, in summary, if you can plant it in the ground and it can grow of itself, you can eat it. If it can create life, on its own, if it's in the dirt, you can eat it. That's a really good way of thinking about the Daniel fast. It unlocks the supernatural. My wife and I were going through some really hard stuff where we were having to bury kids because we were going through these miscarriages. Like one after another. I got so afraid and so filled with fear, it was literally like a, like a mountain that overtook me that I stood and stared at. And I remember the Holy Spirit speaking to me about this fear that had just started to take root in my heart. And I started to incorporate this discipline of fasting. It's a little by little. And then I felt like I got to this one spot place where, where I just couldn't get away from it. And I could tell you the whole story at some other time, but the Holy Spirit just, just was speaking to me about this. And I want to make sure that you, you hear me on this. This isn't me telling you to do this, please, because you got to really think this through. This is a huge, huge undertaking. Uh, I was supposed to fast for 40 days. And I said, no. What would you say? I mean, I love lasagna. And then, I, and then I finally said yes. And I remember going to this event that I was supposed to speak at, and the guy, the guy that had the event had all these Chick-fil-A chicken sandwiches delivered. And I'm like 12 days into this fast, and I could just literally eat my leg. I was starving. I walked into this room. He's like, hey, uh, Pastor Eric, good news. Chick-fil-A's catering our event. I was like, oh, great news. <laughs> so I ran, I ran from evil as fast as I could. And uh, 
I went into this little like room where I was going to collect my thoughts and they had it set aside for me and there was a, there was a little platter there that had seven chicken sandwiches. <laughs> seven, the number of the Lord too. And, and it had a honey roasted barbecue sauce and not just, you know, the, the Chick-fil-A honey roasted barbecue sauce, the one behind the counter that's like crack. They don't even give it out because they know, they know you got to come back for that. You go to the counter, you're like, hey, can I get some more? And they're like, what? You know what I need. Give me that barbecue. You know what I'm saying? Some of you got a problem. There's great conflict. Some of you just go to Cain's because you're not even, you know, Christian. I don't even Sabbath anymore. What's my point? My point is, is I'm in this room there's this barbecue sauce that's amazing. And I pick up this chicken sandwich and, I, and no one's there. No one would know. And as stupid as this sounds, like this is so stupid. I was like, God, I, I want you more than I want this chicken sandwich. And I, want, I don't want to deal with this fear more than I want this food. And all I can say to you, and I don't want to get weird on you, but it was like, it was like I was standing there and then like my spirit man, Eric, stepped out of my body and I looked at my flesh, denying itself. And then Eric, your pastor, but like this, like the, the other Eric, like the Eric that's dead and resurrected in Christ, he took this sword he didn't even know he had. It was here the whole time. And it was this just huge sword. And I held it and it just was... I couldn't even hardly hold on to it. And it's like, I, I was like, where is this? And he's like, I'm giving you a sword hidden in a field. And it's bigger than you can carry on your own. And because of the weight of this sword, it's like I almost, like I just like stumbled forward and, and I just literally impaled my flesh. It's the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me lately, other than being your pastor. And in that moment, I walked out of that Sunday school room different. I walked out of that Sunday school room and something had unlocked within me. And you don't fast like to like have a moment like that or like to get God to give you a Maserati. You're like, I'm not eating Jimmy John's until I get a Maserati. That's stupid. First of all, why would you want a Maserati? And why are you at Jimmy John's and not Jersey Mike's? <laughs> but what I'm saying to you is we don't, you don't like fast to like have like what you want happen. You, you fast so you are prepared for what God wills to happen. You don't fast because you um, want to be comfortable. You fast because you, you want to be comforted. Daniel sets away food for 21 weeks and then... The angel Gabriel shows up. I need seven people to help me with this. Seven volunteers. We're going to act this out right here, this next portion of Scripture. You're not going to have to say anything. You're just going to have to stand here. I need someone who wants to be Jesus, Daniel, two other guys, Gabriel, Michael, and the Prince of Persia. Come on. just get, You want to be Jesus. I, I, Rochelle, Jesus had purple hair. Let's do this. Come on, get up here. Just come up here if you want to be. I'm not, this isn't a committee. Seven people. 
One, two, three, four, five, six. I need one more. Okay, Chris is on our way. Got seven peoples. All right, Rochelle, you're Jesus. Okay, I like that. Um, and uh, let's go with Dan, Dave. Okay, you guys right here are, well, you're kind of close. I mean, Dave, you're kind of close to Daniel, right? Like, yeah. So we'll just make you Daniel. Um, does that work for you? Okay, and then you are the two guys that are with Daniel. Um, you are Prince Michael. How about how about how about you're the angel Gabriel? Okay, um, you're the Prince of Persia. Okay, that's a that's a big one. Okay, and then um, Chris, I will have you be Gabriel. Okay, so let's uh, let's go through this real quick. First of all, I need the Prince of Persia and the the angel Michael. Okay, so Swan, you're, you're going to be Michael, I think. And then Chris, you're Gabriel. Yep, so I want you two to go right over here, over by that lamp right there. No, Chris is to here. Go over there. You two. Yep, you got it. Just, just got it. So we got the Prince of Persia, which is Inez, and we got the angel of Gabriel. And now, Chris, I need you to go over there, and I need you to fight. Just kind of mime it out. Don't punch Inez, please. Just battle a little bit with Inez for a second just to illustrate a point, okay? So before we get to this, I'm just letting you know what's happening in the heavenlies. We got the Prince of Persia and Gabriel fighting, okay? I love that move, okay? Now, Carissa, guess who shows up to whoop some major butt? The angel Gabriel. Gabriel, take over and take over the Prince of Persia. Just just beat the snot out of her, okay? I don't What was that? Okay, Gabriel, um, Carissa, Gabriel, now you can come this way, because uh, um, Carissa, Gabriel, Archangel Michael, Swan, just kicked the snot out of the Prince of Persia. Whew, that looked that looked serious right there. I... All right, so here we go. That little scene happens. Does everybody capture that? It's kind of like a, a movie that's slicing time together. Before we get to this portion of Scripture, the prince of Persia was battling Gabriel. Gabriel is a messenger angel, uh, meets with Mary, meets with Daniel. He's not a warrior angel necessarily. So he's battling this prince of Persia, this king of Persia, this heavenly like realm, and he is getting over Ran. So he calls Swan, Gabriel. Gabriel comes up, says, all right, I'm going to put a whoop on. And Gabriel relieves, excuse me, uh, Michael, the archangel, relieves Gabriel. Gabriel comes to now visit Daniel with Jesus. Daniel, front center on the carpet right here. I lift, look, I lifted up my eyes. Dave, come a little closer to me and just face this way. Thank you. We didn't rehearse this, by the way. This is, it was more, I thought about rehearsing this, but then we would never get that battle. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I lifted up my eyes, verse 8, and behold, a man clothed in linen with the belt of fine gold from Euphaz around his waist. So, Jesus, I want you to show up right here, okay? Now, Gabriel, you're with Jesus. We don't know this yet, but you'll see why this works in Scripture. So you show up right here. Gabe, you just kind of come over here and just kind of hang out right here, Angel Gabriel. Jesus is right here. Now, I didn't bring you any linen. Uh, you did wear the, the royalty uh, color of purple, which is good. Um, 
So D Daniel looks and he sees a man clothed in linen with a belt of gold around his waist, his body uh, was with the appearance of lightning. His eyes were flaming torches. His arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze. <laughs> yeah, that kind of works. And the sound of his words like were the sound of the multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. Guys, come here real quick. Stand behind Daniel. But a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled. One more time. I got to get out of the way. A great trembling fell upon them. Now you got it. And they fled to hide themselves. You guys come back to your seats. Give it up for our two guys. So Daniel was left alone, and I saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed. And I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in a deep sleep with my face on the ground. That works. I mean, I, I, let's, let's give it up for, for Daniel. I mean, I mean, baby, are you okay? Yeah. Okay. okay. So, you, so just, just pause that. You can come back up here just because I don't want you down there. Okay. I got you. I got you. I feel like I just baptized you. Um, all right. So everybody just hold tight for a second. Persia, uh, Michael, you can go sit down. Give it up for Persia and Michael, everybody. Uh, so everybody leaves, and now we've got this image here. So I just before before you go any further into this whole skit, I just want the three of you to catch this with everyone. Daniel describes this vision of what I believe is Christ. I believe he's um, in a face-to-face -face revelation of the pre-incarnate Christ. A theophany is a fancy word for Christ revealing himself in the Old Testament. And there's this really interesting piece here that you gotta just catch in how he describes Jesus. So in the book of Daniel, there's a belt of gold, his face is like lightning, eyes like torches, feet like bronze, words like the sound of an instrument or a multitude, and then no strength, color, fell into deep sleep on the ground. Now let me give you this little portion of scripture in Revelation 1.13. And among the lampstands stood someone like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. His hair on his head was like white wool, as white as the snow, and his eyes were like a blazing fire. His feet were like bronze, glowing in a furnace. His voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars coming out of his mouth, like a double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet, although dead. And then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead and now, look, I'm alive forever and ever. I hold the keys of death and Hades. In the book of Revelation, in the book of Daniel, John has this vision of Christ, this interaction with Christ. And I actually think, so does Daniel. Now, let's continue in our story. 
You were just face down. We all saw it. Can you get back to that position for me? Yeah. All right, perfect. Carefully. All right. All right. Well, that's... He's really selling it up here. <laughs> and behold, a hand... Nope. Now here's... Here's where we run into problem here. Some people think that the hand touched Daniel in this next portion of scripture is Jesus's hand. I don't. I'll give you a hunch why in a second. I actually think Gabriel's there too. And there's a strong case for this. And I'm not alone in this. This isn't just like something out of thin air. I actually think Gabriel's with Jesus on the scene. And the hand that actually touched Daniel in this moment wasn't Jesus, but it was Gabriel. Remember, Daniel went down, fell into a deep sleep. He's out. Jesus, actually, in this moment, you're gone. Gabriel, and behold, a hand, Gabriel, touched me and sent me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, okay, that's next. You got to tremble on your hands and knees. Let's see it. You wanted to be Daniel. Okay. <laughs> And he said to me, Daniel, greatly beloved. Now, you got to understand something. This way that Gabriel says this to Daniel, this greatly beloved phrase here in 10, it's the, it's the same language used in chapter 8 when Gabriel was talking to him. So greatly beloved. He gets up. Okay, get up, Daniel. Get up, Gabriel. Understand the words that I speak to you. Stand up right now. I've been sent to you. And when I had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. And he said to me, Fear not, for from the first day that you set your heart and humbled yourself before God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. Everybody catch this. You ready? Verse 13. The prince of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief priests, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. Do you remember the battle that happened over here? That's right. Okay, so do you remember Gabriel having the battle and then Michael relieving him and then Gabriel coming to Daniel? That's one of the reasons why I think we're talking about Gabriel right here when he struggled with the prince of Persia for 21 days. Now, some people would say that was Jesus. I wrestle with that just because I don't know if Jesus needs help with the king of Persia. I don't necessarily think he needs help to conquer the king of Persia. At the same time, this is pre-cross, pre-death, pre-resurrection. The gates of heaven and hell have not been given. Like when we're talking about the story of it all in the crucifixion, this is before Christ and his beautiful display of sacrifice. Does that make sense? But I, I wrestle with that help piece because I was left there with the king of Persia and then I needed help. But yet, you know what? If you think that that was Jesus or if people think that that was Jesus, can I just say, did Jesus do it all by himself? You know, the disciples needed Jesus just as much as Jesus needed the disciples. And Jesus needs you just as much as you need Jesus. You understand what I'm saying to you? He chooses you. Can God do it on his own? Sure. But does he choose it to do through you? Yes. So I'm okay either way. 
I just will maybe lean in this way that this is Gabriel giving the news to Daniel. All right, let's end scene. Let's sit down. Thank you for being here. You did amazing. I, I will hand out little Oscars in the back. Let's go back just a couple pieces. Uh, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understanding and humbled yourself before God, you have been heard. I want you to hear this point in my message today, church. It's my third point and we're getting to the end. Let me just tell you, when you pray and you've asked God, you've petitioned God, you've humbled yourself before God, I want you to know he heard you from the first day. He heard you from the first day. And sometimes the space between the prayer asked and then the prayer answered is where we live in the tension and we have to walk through all of the things that don't make a lot of sense. Because we pray for people and it doesn't go the way that we're praying. We, we rest in this tension of asking and then not necessarily seeing the answer. And can I encourage you today, don't quit praying. No matter the space between the ask and the answer, you're heard from the first day, don't stop praying. This is a tension that I have feel, felt before as well. When time transpires, when the words you know, that I ask the Lord or that I'm making a petition for or that I'm standing in biblical authority in aren't manifesting in my world, what do I do with that? Well, there's all kinds of places that we can talk through. I mean, I'll give you one example. Um, how many of you are healed? All your hands should be up because on the other side of heaven, you're healed. That's a promise. You're healed. Whatever you're facing right now physically, you're already healed. For eternity, you're healed. Now that might show up on this side of eternity and it might not. That's not my job to decide. My job is to, to, to request to the one who does. There's a Rich Mullins song that I've printed for you that's uh, at the Welcome Center. Sandina made about 50 copies of this for you. And uh, if you don't know who Rich Mullins is, it's okay. But uh, the reality is, is he writes this and it really sums up the tension I feel sometimes between the ask and the answer. And I'm gonna take the time to actually physically read this. You who live in heaven, do you hear the prayers of those who live on earth, who are afraid of being left alone by those we love, who get hardened in the hurt? Do you remember when you lived down here where we all scrape? To find the faith to ask the daily bread. Did you forget about us after you've flown away? Well, I memorized every word you said. Still, I'm so scared and I'm holding my breath while you're up there just playing hard to get. You who live in radiance hear the prayers of those who live in skin. We have a love that's not as patient as yours, but we still do love now and then. Did you ever know loneliness? Did you ever know need? You remember just how long a night can get when you're barely holding on and your friends fall asleep who don't see the blood that's running in your sweat? Will all those who mourn be uncomforted? 
while you're up there just playing hard to get. And I know you bore our sorrows, and I know you feel our pain, and I know that it would not hurt any less, even if it all could be explained. That the one who loves me most, I know I'm not the only one lashing out. And after I have figured this, somehow what I really need to know is if you who live in eternity hear the prayers of us who live in time who can't see what's ahead, who can't get free from what we've left behind. I'm reeling from these voices that keep screaming in my ears, all these words of shame and doubt, blame, regret. I can't see how you're leading me unless you've led me here to where I'm lost enough to let myself be led. And so you have been there all along, I guess. It's just your ways and you are just Plain hard to get. Beautiful summary of the tension that we feel between the ask and the answer. 21 days, Daniel starts to cry out to the Lord, and it might be 21 months or 21 years. Don't stop praying. You're heard from the first day. When Gabriel had spoken to me, verse 15, to these words, I turned my face to the ground and I was mute. And behold, one in the likeness of the children of man. Interesting wording here if you want to look it up. It's, it's different. Touched my lips. Gabriel is there. He speaks and he opens his mouth and spoke. I said to him who stood before me, the reason the vision pains have come upon me, I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with you? I have no strength remains in me and no breath has le- has, is in me. And again, having the appearance of a man, he touched me and he strengthened me. I think this is Gabriel and Daniel having this interaction here. And, and uh, the reason I would say that is for the reasons I've already said to, to you, but I also would say angels minister to us. That's part of their job. And there is, there is great debate and great, and great theological, um, you know, you could say consensus around one of these two options. Is this angel Gabriel or is this Jesus? And there, there is a conflict here even in Scripture. You just need to be aware of this portion of Scripture as a Bible, uh, you know, you could say reader that this exists. But angels ministered to us I, in, in the book of Luke one. 26 through 38. Six months after Elizabeth has become pregnant, God sent the angel Gabriel and entered her home and he greeted her and he said, you are favored by the Lord. The Lord is with you. Beloved Daniel, beloved Daniel. Daniel, you are highly favored. You are beloved. It's this, I think it's the same person talking to him. She was startled by what the angel said. Do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. Mark 1.13, what happens after Jesus post-wilderness? I'll read it for you. He was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted of Satan and the wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. You got Daniel laid on the, on the floor just after he saw the glory of Christ standing in front of him. He can't even stand. And then the angel Gabriel says, I got this, boss. And he ministers to him. Now Daniel can just sort of basically stand there and then Gabriel starts to talk to him. 
And Gabriel speaks to him because he was strengthened and he said, let my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. As he spoke to me, as Gabriel spoke to him, Daniel said, you can read it for yourself. It's right before verse 20. I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. Then he said, do you know why I've come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side except Michael, your prince. You tracking this? So you, you got to understand, and I just want to just recap. I'll make it real clear. Daniel 10.10, 10, understand my words I'm going to give to you. Daniel 10.14, I've come to give you understanding of what will happen. Daniel 10.21, I will tell you what's inscribed in the writing. I'm going to explain the 2300 days, the evenings and mornings. I'm going to bring more clarity in chapter 9 and chapter 8. And actually, that is actually next week at chapter 11 and chapter 12. It builds all up to this moment where Gabriel's like, okay, I'm going to give you everything I got. It's a beautiful, beautiful illustration of the fact that there is always more to the story. And Katie, if you can come and just play for a second. I have a book here. And if you've ever, um, if you've ever written a book, uh, it's usually got chapters in it. And you get through different chapters and and then you go to the next one, right? I always love to write a couple things. What did I learn that I knew? Uh, what do, did I learn that I don't know? What's one change I have to make? And what questions do I have? That's a great thing to write, those four things. Whenever I read a book, that's what I write in, at the end of every chapter. I've read a few books, and there's a lot of chapters. And if I could just be so bold that you are in this book, this is maybe your book. Tom? Uh, Bryn? I mean, I could just go through the list. Swan? Taiwan. Hey, Andy. Logan. Should we just go through every... Bryn, you want to come up here? It's easy because it's almost like with Bryn and Ren, I just have to add a letter. No, you can stay right there. I'm kidding. Friends, like, you want me to write everybody's name on this book? So just write your name on this book and have this be your story. Because this is how it works. There are some chapters in this book that are really fun to read. Some of them are beautiful. You get married. You graduate. You get your first job. You get debt-free. You give your life to Jesus. He heals your brokenness. I mean, we go through the list of all the chapters in your life. But then sometimes you get to those chapters in your life and they're just flat out crappy. Like you get to that chapter and you're like, you know what? I would just be better if, it, if that chapter wasn't in there. I'd be much happier, much more at peace if that whole portion of my story would, wouldn't be in my story. And what I want you to realize is that if that wasn't in your story, then you wouldn't really have a story. All you'd have are missing pages. This portion of Scripture is a beautiful metaphor that there's always more to the story. 
I just want to encourage you in your walk, in your life of being a dad, of being burnt out as a business owner, of you sitting here in the, in the realm of what will happen tomorrow. I want you to just to know, like your story, it doesn't, it doesn't end in these pages. It doesn't end in the hard stuff. It doesn't end, the th- end in the things that you don't understand. There is provision, there is witness, there is promise, potential. There are things that God has in his word through a life in Christ that allows you to flip these pages and keep the crappy ones in there and allow this whole beautiful thing to unfold. Just keep flipping the pages. Keep reading the story. Because some of you get to those hard chapters and and then you want to take your own life. Some of you get to those hard chapters and that's all you see of those hard chapters and you wrestle with suicide. Self-harm. You get to those hard chapters and you, you dump drugs and, and alcohol in your body into mass quantities that are, that are skewing your mind. You medicate through shopping and all kinds of other stuff that you could fill in the blank. What's my point? You get to a hard chapter and you want to get out of that chapter. But what you need to know is you'll never get out of it. You'll just get through it. He promises to get you through that valley, not out of that valley. And you might be stuck in a chapter 8 or chapter 9 of the book of Daniel when all the math doesn't add up and you're sick for days and you're left feeling like you got no strength. But I'm telling you, you hold on long enough, you keep walking long enough, these pages, they keep continuing and it doesn't end in those chapters there is always more to the story and so i will say to you what gabriel as he ministered to daniel to daniel said to him i will say this to you greatly loved it's on the screen greatly loved you who are greatly loved fear not peace be with you be strong and of good courage There is more to this story. Just keep flipping those pages, church. Just keep flipping those pages. You hear what I'm saying? It doesn't end there. It didn't end there for Daniel. Like all wiped out, laid out, sick, confused. And it doesn't end with you being wiped out, sick, or confused. It will require, back to the first point, when there is conflict, you have to understand you do have that potential. It is possible and it is promised, but it will require you to make godly decisions in the hard chapters. It will require you to make godly decisions in the hard moments, just like Daniel. We got one more message of Daniel left, 11 and 10. Uh, 11 and 12, we did 10 today. I hope you have an amazing week. But just remember, it doesn't end in that story. And if you are in that space where you're in a hard chapter, can I encourage you to to print out those words that Daniel heard? Greatly love, fear not, peace be with you, be strong and good courage, and write the words, there's more to the story. Can you put that on your your, your window? Can you put that on your mirror? Can you put that somewhere you would see that portion of Scripture in Daniel chapter 10 this week? because you need to keep flipping those pages. So God, I just thank you so much for us to go through this beautiful book, all of it 
together as a family, I just pray, Lord, that we would that we would be reminded today of the great conflict that is for us. And that you have won that. But we just need to walk in that. God, I just pray, Lord, that you would give us the strength to continue to die to ourselves and our flesh. We fast every day, Lord, as a church uh, on Mondays, uh, every week on Mondays, and I know you, you hear us. I just pray, God, that you would just continue to kill the things within us, remove our idols. God, I pray that those that are here that wonder if they've been ever heard from those prayers, I just pray that you'd remind them that they have been heard from the first day. And finally, Lord, I just pray that we here together as we walk through the hard parts of our life, the chapters that don't make sense, rather than remove them out of our story, redeem them within our story. Because there's always more to it in you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. To help you apply the truth found in scripture, we always like to ask three questions. What did you learn about God? What did you learn about yourself? How are you going to apply what the Holy Spirit is speaking through scripture to your life? We hope that helps bring clarity for you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Life in the Valley, the podcast of the people of Summit Church. Join us in person sometime as we gather as a church on Summit Avenue. Or join us here at our podcast again, or virtually at our online encounter each week. Before you go, though, Pastor Eric is going to give you a special invitation and share just part of his heart for you, the culture, and a little bit about the people of Summit Church. Hey, Pastor Eric Samuel Tim here. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Let me first say, our city of St. Paul is absolutely amazing. I encourage you to explore all the history it has to offer. And you need to know this, Summit Church has been a part of that history, along with so many amazing churches. Speaking specifically about the people of Summit, well, we've been gathering here since about 1932. And my hope that this would not just be a rich history, but it would be our forward legacy. History is a thing of the past, but legacy makes way for the future. So where are we going? That's a good question. Our vision is simple, to see all people of St. Paul and beyond living as disciples of Christ, people full of hope, fully known, and actively loving one another, living a spirit-led life. Our mission is also simple, to provide rhythm, location, and opportunity where you can have a life-changing experience with God. Journey within the diversity to do these three things, become disciples of Jesus, to deliver hope, and to champion this city. That is where we are going. That is what we're doing. So where are you going? Maybe that's a good question for you. What are your next steps? I would encourage you to join one of our monthly expeditions. The expedition is a simple experience where you can find out more about who you are in Christ, who Summit Church is, what are we doing around here, and how you can play a part. It's less than a two-hour commitment for your whole month. We also feed you some amazing food and even provide childcare. So the question is, where will we go? 
Maybe we're on a journey following Jesus together. And I got a hunch, we just might not be us without you. We'll see you at the summit where we prepare for life in the valley.